This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America. Brought to you in cooperation with American University's School of Communication in Washington, D.C. and Link TV. And now here's host Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. We're back after another brief summer hiatus. This week, we feature an in-depth program on Argentina. From foreign policy to communication reform, this country is making waves in South America. We'll have more on our special focus later. But first, Lydia Bayoud has our weekly review of news from around Latin America. The British and Ecuadorian governments have been in a diplomatic standoff since June over the latter granting asylum to WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. Now, Ecuador's President Rafael Correa says Britain would be committing political suicide if it enters Ecuador's embassy in London. I think it would be suicidal for the United Kingdom to apply that kind of maneuver because it could turn against them. Because later, that country's embassies around the world could be violated and they would not be able to say anything. Ecuador granted Assange asylum last week after months of living inside its embassy to avoid extradition to Sweden to face trial for accusations of rape. The UK says it is under obligation to extradite Assange to Sweden, and Assange says he believes Swedish authorities will send him to the US to face trial for publishing whistleblower documents through his website WikiLeaks. President Correa says he's willing to take the issue to the United Nations. Dozens of student protesters in Chile holding sit-ins in three Santiago high schools were forcibly removed by police late last week. Police also turned water cannons on the teenagers, who threw stones in return. Police took more than 139 protesters into detention. Student leaders say the government is waging a direct assault on public education and on the chance to advance towards ending inequality in Chile. Students, teachers, and families have been demonstrating for more than a year in Chile to demand educational reform. They say the system is profoundly unequal in providing access to a decent education to all students. The mayor of Santiago has ordered all student protesters to be evicted from schools. Analysts say the movement for education reform is the largest social movement in the country's history since its return to democracy in the early 90s. 25 people died and another 43 were injured this past weekend in another prison riot near Venezuela's capital. Fighting broke out when hundreds of relatives of prison inmates in the Yare 1 prison in Miranda State were visiting. This spate of deaths comes just a month after the Venezuelan government brokered an end to a 20-day riot in one of the country's overcrowded prisons. The government says it will conduct a full inquiry and install new security measures in the prisons. Rights groups say the country's prisons currently house about 50,000 inmates, while the facilities were built for about 14,000. 300 people have died in Venezuelan prison riots this year alone. Two Argentine journalists were violently attacked in separate incidents within the past two weeks. Assailants threw a Molotov cocktail at the car of Silvio Novellino, director of the monthly newspaper El Peperi, early Monday morning. Novellino says he regularly receives threats for the investigative stories published by his paper. Herman Garcia, the head of a local radio station in Sancti Spiritu, says he was slapped and threatened with a gun by the town's mayor, who threatened to kill him after Garcia publicly called on the mayor to release the town's financial documents. Garcia says he recorded the attack and has uploaded it to the station's website. The mayor is denying the allegations. The Committee to Protect Journalists is urging the government to investigate these and other recent threats against journalists in Argentina. For Latin Pulse, I'm Lydia Bayoud.
Thanks, Lydia. Regular listeners to our program know that lately we featured commentaries from Peter Hakem on various topics. This week, this renowned expert on Latin America joins us for an in-depth discussion on Argentina. Here's a different take on our new feature that we call Latin American Perspectives. And now, Latin American Perspectives with Peter Hakem of the Inter-American Dialogue. It seems to me that in the past few months that, that the Argentines have been much more aggressive diplomatically. Um, and you say that there's economic news that we should be paying attention to. What is going on with Argentina down in the southern cone? There's two sets of, 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 of developments in that country. One is that uh, the economy is uh, beginning to go through a bad patch. Clearly, uh, uh, inflation has been rising over some time. The price of the commodities they've been so successful at selling over the past several years, soybeans and the like, have dropped in price. The demand has dropped for them. Uh, It looks like they're uh, running out of dollars. They're not uh, able to attract foreign investment. So their economy is, is running into some real problems. People had that economy listed as one of the top economies in the world to watch last year. Well, it it grew as fast as uh, almost any economy in Latin America, and Latin America did pretty well. Uh, But it's now uh, hitting some speed bumps, and uh, uh, most economists are very, very worried that they might even uh, see another, uh, we may see another Argentine crisis in, in the next year or so. The Argentines have been trying to get people to put their money in Argentine pesos rather than saving it in dollars and, well, and, and, and it almost, in other currencies. It certainly, and once you prevent people from buying dollars or calling on them to transfer their dollars into pesos, this immediately gives uh, Argentines and whomever a big incentive to try to hide their dollars, to try and immediately turn their peso into dollars because they're predicting that the regulations are going to get tougher and tougher and it's going to be more and more difficult. They're worried that the peso is going to lose value and the value of whatever they've saved up in dollars is going to really uh, go uh, sharply downwards. We've seen the Argentines be fairly aggressive as we mentioned, in the economic zone. Changes in Mercosur that brought in Venezuela. Um, They've been nationalizing companies in their oil sector. Is this part of the government looking at trying to stop a crisis? Well, I think, uh, you know, each element, yes. I mean, I think there's little question that Argentina is very, very worried about its access to foreign capital, very uh, concerned about its dollar reserves, very concerned about its access to dollars to pay its debt to buy needed imports. Uh, But this is also, the second part of it is that this is all translated into a uh, declining uh, popular support for the president. Uh, She was elected with overwhelming support. one of the largest majorities uh, recorded in Argentina, and she is now uh, uh, muddling around in the 30% range. Uh, People sense uh, these economic measures 
foretell some kind of crisis. This has uh, uh, happened in the past. Uh, Argentines have a memory of previous crises. And uh, let me just say this, the sense is in the wind that uh, this is uh, coming on. That would be President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner. And, and are there other signs that she is trying to stop this um, this change in her popularity? Are there other things that she's trying to do? Is she Well, I think in part the uh, rather dramatic, uh, probably exaggerated attention to the uh, Malvinas Falklands uh, Islands, for example, is a uh, cry to for nationalism. It's a nationalistic uh, effort to pump up the population to show that the government is defending interest. I think the uh, the nationalization of uh, Repsol, the Spanish oil company, uh, had to do with both economics and politics. Uh, this again shows the, the defense of uh, the nation's resources. Uh, uh, then I think the uh, very uh, virulent position uh, in the Paraguay uh, impeachment uh, again. Uh, uh, and uh, I think this is uh, now uh, being repeated on numbers of issues uh, that uh, Argentina, as one uh, informed Argentine said, doesn't have a foreign policy. It uses foreign policy for largely domestic purposes, and in this case, largely for political purposes domestically. We don't track Argentina probably as well as we should on this program. Some people may not remember that um, President Fernandez walked out of the Summit of the Americas, left early as a point because she couldn't seem to get anyone interested in her view about trying to get the Malvinas, the Falkland Islands, back from the United Kingdom? Well, the Latin American countries have, uh, you know, I I don't think there's any Latin American country who doesn't support Argentina on on this uh, question. And indeed, in South America, most countries support it very vigorously. I I don't think the, I think the, the question was the Canadians in the U.S. just weren't about to go along with it. And a number of the Caribbean countries weren't quite willing to go along either with their ties to England or their former ties to England. And uh, I think the, there was just no chance for a consensus. Uh, she had already generated support among the Latin Americans who sort of uh, see this as an issue of colonialism on the part of Britain. There seems to be uh, an economic boycott of sorts going on that's, that's having some impact on people that few people who do live on the Malvinas, and it's being noticed. Um, well, well, there is and there isn't. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, ships are uh, sort of discouraged. Cruise ships that stop in the Malvinas are not allowed into certain Argentine ports, uh, there's a question of whether the drilling for oil in the waters around the uh, Malvinas Falklands is uh, appropriate, illegal. Uh, it deprives Argentina of a resource. I mean, there's a whole set of economic issues involved here. Uh, my own personal view is that I, I think Argentina is going about this all wrong. It's making 
the Malvinas population increasingly anti-Argentine instead of basically using uh, honey to bring them, in other words, by awarding scholarships to young people in the Malvinas, by encouraging them to vacation, there would be a gradual uh, integration. Uh, This is simply driving the Malvinas population, largely a population of British descent, really back to their their origins, and and they themselves have their own uh, nationalism. There seems to be some movement for uh, a vote of self-determination in the next year. Well, that's purely a British uh, United Kingdom ploy, if you like, uh, because any uh, referendum would be overwhelmingly in favor of continued association with Great Britain. Well, thank you, Peter Hakem the Inter-American Dialogue with Latin American Perspectives today. Thank you very much. Coming up, an in-depth discussion on Argentina's controversial communication reforms. Stay with us. I want to finish school. And then go to college. To be able to graduate. And have the future my parents couldn't have. Because I know that going to college is the best thing I can do for my future. The words of a parent help to build the future of a child. The Hispanic Scholarship Fund has the information to help your kids go to college. Visit yourwordstoday.org or call 1-877-HSF-8711. Sponsored by the Hispanic Scholarship Fund and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Latin Pulse. Recently, Lydia Bayoud conducted an in-depth interview via Skype with Victoria Villegas of Argentina's Federal Audiovisual Communication Services Authority, or AFSCA. They spoke about the country's controversial communication reforms. Some of those reforms are only now coming online after three years of legal challenges. Many of those court challenges concern the Argentine government's attempts to break up parts of the powerful media conglomerate Grupo Clarín. Here are excerpts from the interview. Victoria, there have been several rounds of legislation regarding the media since President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner took office. Can you tell me a little bit about the situation in Argentina uh, for the media before the laws that were passed in October 2009? Uh, Yes, well, um, thank you for having me. And yes, there were um, many, uh, many social movements uh, that were... uh, in need of a, a new regulation concerning media law, uh, because um, we, uh, since democracy um, arrived in our country in the year 1982, uh, we, uh, we we had been uh, working in this field with um, with a law that was a special law that was passed during the military government, so. Uh, we had like um, an interventor or like a, an authority that was designed directly by the president, and uh, that was the only person who was in charge of the whole uh, enforcement of these regulations. So it was um, like a, it, it was not a, a real law. I mean, it it, it hasn't been discussed by uh, the parliament or the, the houses of representatives. So uh, many of the, of the um, regulations were not, um, were not answering the, uh, the needs of, uh, well, the, the, 
they had the technologies, the new technologies that, that were um, appearing in the media or in the field. So the uh, every every little broadcaster and the society was asking for a new regulation, and there had been very uh, bylaws that they were treated and discussed during the the first periods of the government of Alfonsín, but uh, none of them were uh, were, were successful. Uh, after that, uh, the next government, uh, Menem administration uh, also tried to do that but they didn't also uh, had any success because uh, there were many people uh, trying not to to make it uh, real because uh, it was easier for the for the I don't know the the bigger media groups to uh, have a, a contact with the government and then acquire the license or the authorizations to work in the in the media field, so uh, this uh, was very very negative for for the society because uh, it um, allowed the formation of uh, very big economic groups that uh, control the most of the media, and we 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 get to have like one only one enterprise owning 100 license, and you have. For example, one owner having a license of radios, TV stations, and cable uh, in maybe in 100. So they, they could uh, work along the whole country being directed by only one person maybe living in Buenos Aires, for example. So are you referring to the conglomerate known as Grupo Clarín or someone else? Yes, that's one. That's mm -hmm. one. There's another one that... Uh, there is uh, also, um, this one is Grupo Clarín, the other one is Grupo Uno. So what changes did the, the laws bring in 2009? Well, first of all, and the most important thing was that the, um, the board of directors, the, the, the people who make the main decisions, <coughs> are, um, are, is not one person uh, that is put by the president, but is a board of directors that is... Um, and it's um, formed with people that come from the university, people that uh, another person is um, chosen by both um, le the, the legislative uh, chamber and deputies uh, chambers. Um, there is another one who is um, a member of the opposition of the government. So we have a board of directors where they all decide by consensus for example, the decisions concerning the license. And um, this law established like a framework where um, that uh, has a very, um, a, a, a minimum that is different from the other law, the, the former law. Because the former uh, act was, um, the, the, the main basis, basis was about national security. But this one is uh, mostly based on the principles of freedom of expression and um, trying to protect the right of information of society. And didn't um, didn't the 2009 laws also limit the number of licenses that a company could own? Yes, yes. A, a company right now can only have 10 licenses and uh, you cannot own the same, um, for example, if you have a 
a, a radio, you can have a TV uh, or more uh, than three uh, TV cable, for example. And that is something that is, uh, this is one of the things that has caused uh, uh, more controversial because, uh, <clears throat> because of these uh, big groups, they, are, uh, they do not accept uh, this uh, new regulation and they, are, um, and, they, and they say that they are being affected in their uh, property law and uh, they are putting this in the um, middle of the society as a discussion concerning the violation of freedom of expression. So uh, they have uh, tried to um, make an idea in the society that this law wants to uh, violate the freedom of, freedom of expression or the right of information. And it's the other way around, uh, because the, the law, what tries is, or what pretend, is to make access to more different people from different fields and to, to allow more voices to come into into there. What do people say in Argentina about that controversy? Because I know that um, Grupo Clarín and others criticized the government saying that, you know, there had been some, some bad blood between these huge media companies and who had been very critical of President Kirchner. And they said that, as, as you said, they were basically, the government was attacking or going after the businesses of these, these big companies. Um, what do people say about that, and how did the companies fight back uh, in the courts or otherwise? Uh, well, uh, you, you can have maybe uh, two positions. One is the, the common people that you walk in the street. If you ask them, they will always say that they don't like Grupo Clarín because they, only, they are all the time fighting the government, and it's very difficult to know which is the real truth because you ha you're, it's like you're in the middle of a battle and you, you cannot know which is the real information. So when some information comes from Clarín, you would say, oh, well, we, we don't know if it's, it's true because they hate <laughs> with the government. So uh, it's, it's very difficult and um, it's a kind of historical uh, fight um, between the, uh, the small broadcasters and these big groups. So... Uh, you can have uh, maybe the uh, a, a public opinion maybe that uh, wants to to have this um, this impartial view about the news and not in this fight or battle. And the otherwise, you have that uh, Grupo Clarín has um, uh, made a, a lawsuit uh, before the courts um, against this uh, one of the sections of the of the act. Of the new act, um, and is this a section where they are forced to uh, sell the radios or the cables or the license? They exceed on the limit of the law. We are still in the middle of that legal battle uh, because uh, we had a, a first um, preliminary injunction that a judge ordered, where they said that um, they want to analyze the whole case, but in the meanwhile, um, this section is not going to be enforceable for Grupo Clarín, because they were the ones who made the lawsuit. For the rest of the, of the broadcasters, it's being enforced. 
so what have been some of the changes that you've seen in the media? Is there more um, alternative media or smaller media now that they're able to get their own licenses? What have the what have the results of that law been? In, in terms of uh, of saying also to the whole the, the people that this act, despite the the um, I don't know the discussions or the con controversies, it was a law that was uh, passed by the Congress. And uh, it has to be taken, I mean, it has to, to work and to, to start uh, doing what it's meant to do. All right. Now let's talk a little bit about the most recent set of laws that were passed in December of 2011. Um, maybe start with the one that made the uh, production and distribution of newsprint a matter of national interest. Uh, concerning what you're asking me, yes, um, it was um, a very, uh, also another battle uh, that uh, had to be made against these uh, big economic groups um, because um, they owned mostly of the, um, maybe, I don't know, it was the share, shares, uh, and uh, it was the very difficult for the small uh, distributors to uh, get access to these ones. And for example, I live in a, in a local state in the center of Argentina, San Luis, uh, and we have, a, a for, for the small newspapers, it's very difficult to find the paper because uh, to, make the, to make their newspapers. And that's why, because they are not, they, or they were not uh, in the side or inside the enterprises of them. So this, uh, well, it's, it's meant to be uh, run uh, in more uh, equal conditions, so we we hope that uh, this comes to to to, an, to a, a big end concerning on the the small ones, the small distributors. And again, I think uh, the major distributor of paper in Argentina is Papel Prensa, and like you said, the majority of shares are owned by Grupo Clarín and another uh, big media group, and now also the government. And I think these two media groups have fought back against this law as well, saying, once again, you're infringing our, our rights, our ownership rights. Um, yes, it's, it's a, a situation where uh, we, can, we can think it, uh, of it as a um, very uh, brave decision of the government that um, the, the people have been waiting for, not everyone also, it's maybe most of the society has been waiting for something uh, like this to happen because uh, it has uh, been very negative for society. I'm curious about people's criticism that now the government has a lot more power to minimize critical uh, comments about itself now that it's taking a more active role in, in regulating the media. What do you respond to that? I, I don't think that uh, any... I don't see it like um, the 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 government has more power. It's like a, I think it's a situation where you have a new act, and uh, this uh, new uh, law has the regulations. And for society, it's better than before because you know exactly what you can do and what you can, what you cannot do. And uh, in the basis or or knowing that. Um, What's going to prevail is the freedom of expression and 
the right of information. All right. Well, Victoria Villegas is our guest today on Latin Pulse. Thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you very much for having me. That's Lydia Bayoud interviewing Victoria Villegas of Argentina's media authority, known as the AFSCA. And now an editorial note. Listeners should know that although I serve as this program's executive producer and host, three years ago, before I assumed those positions, I worked as an unpaid consultant to the Argentine government, advising the government on provisions in the media reform law. Listeners can make their own judgments on whether our interview fairly represented this issue. And now a programming note. This is Lydia Bayoud's last program with Latin Pulse. We want to thank her for her contributions since December of last year. Lydia is moving on to a career with Bloomberg BNA. BNA was until recently called the Bureau of National Affairs and is a leading subscription service covering business news. We wish Lydia the best in her new position. If you'd like to react to any portion of this program, including our Latin American Perspectives feature, you may write us. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's latinpulse, all one word, at gmx.com. Or you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud or on Facebook. Latin Pulse is available on the web and via iTunes. To see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs on Latin America, you can check out Link TV's website, www.linktv, all one word, .org, and then forward slash Latin Pulse, also all one word. That's www.linktv.org, forward slash Latin Pulse. Thank you for joining us on Latin Pulse this week. For our entire team, associate producer Lydia Bayoud and announcer Victor Kilo, I'm Rick Rockwell. Escuchen nosotros, gracias por su tiempo. Latin Pulse is sponsored by American University's Center for Latin American and Latino Studies. The program is produced in Washington, D.C. at American University School of Communication with the support of Link TV. Theme music provided by Link TV and additional music from Canary Productions and Bathtime Music Publishing. This program is copyright 2012, Las Rocas Productions.